Hello, everyone. How are you? We are super happy to, to be with you today and to do the first webinar, the first quarter webinar with, with you all. Uh, it's a project that we've been working for a while and we've been like working on the content for a while as well. And we're super happy that finally we, we can launch and we can like share with you all the all the insights we have and, and start creating this movement, the get quiet movement that we will explain shortly. So before like, and we hope like people uh, let, um, keep connecting. I will suggest like if you can like say hi in the in the in the chat or in either in YouTube or in LinkedIn, you can say hi on the on the chat. So or you can say where are you watching us if you're listening all right. And and so even though we don't see each other uh, in front, that that's what we'll, we'll love. At least we are like in contact with the chat. And we hope that you can use this chat during the whole webinar because uh, we expect to like to have like a bi-directional conversation. Obviously. You will be talking in the chat, but we will have your your comments like really present. We will bring them into the screen as well. So we we hope like you can participate. We'll be throwing you questions. Uh, so uh, yeah, like thanks thanks for joining us. And shortly I will introduce you, Mikael and Alex, and and we will be like talking about about this this get quiet movement that uh, we just we just launched. So uh, let's see. Now we we I'm, I'm gonna I'm. I'm seeing like Gianluca saying from YouTube, like, Buonasera. Uh, hello, hello, Gianluca. Uh, super happy to see you here as well. And, and finally, like for, with, with our friends, we've been talking about this, refining the ideas, and, and we've been creating this, this, uh, this framework that we'll be sharing. So a little bit of like uh, housekeeping before we start. I'll say like, we want to start like uh, introducing ourselves, then we're gonna do like a question to you, and we hope like you can answer us in the chat. And, and afterwards, um, we will be presenting you the framework that we created from Quaret about how to get employees to become owners of our company, how to have like really pe the people that work in our company really compromise and feeling that the company is their own. So we want to share a framework in order to be like the most practical uh, tool in order to apply everything. So today we will show the, 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 the framework. And also at the end, we will like uh, do a Q&A question, a Q&A session. So if you have any question during the during the presentation of the framework, please write it down because we are we are seeing the comments, so we can like jump into the into your questions, and we can have this even though there is like the this digital limitation. We can have like this interaction, and we can have this conversation that we hope to have, and and then yeah, we can we can start. So I would like to uh, first introduce uh, Mickey and Alex. So. Maybe we can introduce, we can start with Alex. Alex, uh, good afternoon. Thank you. Hey, Go. how are you? So first of all, I'm very excited of being here again. Uh, we had an interview some time ago, Tony, so that brings back very, very good memories. Um, so yeah, my name is Alex Dilme. My background is mainly across two big areas. One is strategy, the other one is, is social impact. So in the past, in my past life, I worked for a, for a consulting company called McKinsey. And then over the last five years, uh, I worked for a, for a big FMCG company called GB Foods, managing two things, the strategy of the group in, in Africa, and at the same time, uh, developing all the culture, all the new culture and the new purpose agenda. Then on the sidelines, I've been trying to work also in a few social social impact projects, uh, a few NGOs in, in Asia. And yeah, that's, that's pretty much me. Fantastic. Well, uh, so welcome. And also, Mikel, if you want to introduce yourself. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us. Um, this is Mikel. I 
a little bit about me. I my career kind of divides in in I believe like now three four different stages. I started off in consulting like Alex, then I moved into early stage startups and and worked for an accelerator and and kind of like venture builder that was creating um, digital companies in emerging economies. I was focusing uh, mostly in Latin America. Then I came back to Spain and helped them launch companies and scale them um, at the early stages until and uh, during the first few months until like 30, 40, 50 people. And then we were moving on. That got me through different sectors and industries. I'm very happy about that um, from food delivery to e-commerce, etc. And then after that, a little bit by happy accident, I, I I became the CEO of, uh, of a company that was making software for HR, uh, thanks to Tony. And uh, that's how I started uh, you know, getting involved with uh, people and talent uh, topics. And, that's, uh, and I never left afterwards. So I stayed there two years. Um, and then I joined the African Leadership Group, which is where I'm at right now. I started off leading the talent acquisition um, division, where I were creating a, a new engine that would allow us to, to scale rapidly and globally. And now I uh, recently transferred to leading culture and people experience. We're a full remote organization right now. So that's the that's the nuance and enjoy myself a lot. And, and I'm very, very happy to see you all. And I'm based in Mauritius right now and near the coast of Madagascar, originally from Barcelona, but I'll join you. I'm joining you guys from here now. So it's 9.30 p.m. for me. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Mikael. And also like to introduce a little bit myself. As you know, like my purpose is to help people and inspire people to have like a meaningful job for them and a job to be happy. And I do that by helping companies to share how is it working in their company, to share their brand, doing their employer branding and the email recruiting methodology. And also I help uh, individuals and professionals to build their brand and also to achieve like other ways uh, and to achieve a, a way to work that is meaningful for them. So, and to, like with, with these three different backgrounds, but super complementary because Alex has been working in the, in the purpose values of, of, of companies making, is like been working in the HR world as well, uh, in the hiring and now working in the, cult in the culture and, and having this remote culture that I think a lot of companies will be like working on. And, and there's a big struggle as well to have like really committed people. And also my background that is more like in, in terms of communication, HR marketing and, and inbound recruiting and player branding. I, we, we come up with, with this thing because at the end we have like similar purposes that we think we have, we want to change uh, the way people see jobs. We will talk about this later on. But before we start with anything, as, as I told you, like we want you to participate, to take, uh, well, to, to, to be, with us and i would like to throw like a nice breaker question with you so i would love like if you can like comment on the chat so we like what was what has been the happiest day at your work like if you have any memory of like okay what is like the the best memory like while working or in your job uh what is what is that that memory what is that moment if you have any so that will be like i would love to to know like your moments i think it's a good way to remember or if it's not the most, like one of the most, like it's not like a, a a competition or anything. So that's sometimes difficult. So I will I'll be bringing you your comments up in the screen. So uh, we'd love to see your comments. And while we wait for your comments, guys, I'll I'll, I'll throw you this question. So uh, this time I'll start with Mickey. Mickey, what's been your the happiest moment or the happiest day in your work life? Um. 
I don't know. It's hard to say. You know, there's been like uh, there's been several, I guess, through the years. Uh, I think that one that I remember um, from not so far ago is uh, when I joined the African Leadership Group. It was probably like my uh, two week, third, second week in the company, and we went for a retreat in in Kenya. And and I remember it was it, it's funny enough because it was a Saturday, so my my happiest day at work I think it was in a weekend. Uh, and I never work on weekends, so it's it's quite funny, no? So the thing is that I just arrived, and uh, the founder and CEO wanted to, you know, onboard me properly personally. So he said, like, can you meet a, can you meet me on Friday? And we meet up, we discuss strategy, we discuss vision, and then he told me, like, look, can we actually meet up on Saturday again? I'm like, yeah, sure, absolutely. So we met. Uh, we were supposed to meet at lunchtime, and and you know, I ordered lunch, you know, nervous new CEO, new founder, new company. And as I'm waiting, trying to like, you know, relax and prepare a bit, um, he sends me a message and he says, look, I'm super late. I'm supposed to catch a plane and we're going to take this meeting uh, in my van on the, on the way to the airport. And, you know, he comes, I take like my, my, my lines to go kind of, and then we, we jump in the van and we do the meeting in the van to the airport of Nairobi. And then we finished the meeting in the airport and then we went back. Um, and it was like such an like, enriching conversation. It was so spontaneous. And I remember that at that time, like the time stopped. Like I was just there, full aware. I didn't even know if it was Saturday, Sunday, or you know, uh, I didn't even know if I was on, in Nairobi or Europe or whatever. No? So I think that that sensation of, of you know having his attention and mattering and having this impact and voice in 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 the shape and the future of the company was very important for me. And I think that that made it, you know, even though it was a Saturday, that made it a very very special day for me. And I felt like I had this impact and and I felt like this. It's kind of like ownership of what I was doing and, and in this conversation with him. Cool. It's, it's, well, I, I, I kind of share the feeling that I see in your eyes, so it's really cool. And I see like the first comment, so I encourage you like to share it, like even if it's one in one sentence. Obviously, there is Alvaro that is sharing with us like uh, the, the happiest day was like when the, the, the first big client account opening. So all the great work from all the team was like done there. So uh that's that's one of the moments when you achieve after working hard uh you achieve what you wanted or you see coming to reality this kind of stuff like for us like a little bit today uh that is like finally after one year and a half planning this initiative like finally we come up with with this so i yeah i i invite you like to share with us in the in the chat as well thanks alvaro for for sharing i uh, will really appreciate it. and also alex what is in your your happiest day at work so um, there's a few, but um, the one that um, pops into my mind, um, the, the quickest one that popped into my mind was, uh, I remember one day, it's actually funny because I was working at the, the consulting, I was working for a bank. Um, I, I, I don't like banks too much, but um, I was taking one of those um, early taxis in the morning to get there. It was a bank outside of Madrid. And um, and I remember my mom called me. It was maybe 8 a.m. I maybe probably have slept like six hours or five hours that day because there was a ton of work to, to be done. And my mom called me at 8 a.m. or something like that, which is very strange. And, and I got a little concerned. It's like, why my mom is calling me at 8 a.m. on a, I don't know, it was a Wednesday or a Thursday. Yeah, God knows. And, um, and she was like extremely emotional. And she was like something like, I'm very proud of you. It's like, what the hell? Why are you proud of me? And um, at that day um it was the day that we did the social project in the philippines it was the day that we released so that the project went live and and we did a lot of stuff there unfortunately i couldn't be there and um i don't know that that feeling of um first of all no of, of having done something that 
that um, makes your mother proud and also yourself proud. And also that feeling of, you know, you're driving a little bit. It was a very small thing, eh? but still driving a little bit of impact and helping others. That, in a way, another was a very happy moment. And and it forced me to to reshape my thinking towards work, right? What does work win and what how can I, you know, bring these emotions or the, that feeling um, into my day-to-day -day life? And that's probably what, what led then to generate other social projects and try to redefine my, my work life. Fantastic. So like, uh, <laughs> it was like the mix of, of this kind of, kind of stuff, not expecting it. So that, exactly. Uh, that's good. And for me, I was, when I asked Mick, it's just like, like, what is your day? So <laughs> <laughs> classic. Uh, so like really fun. I think like one of the well like first I'm gonna go with with Angela that was sharing uh, also the comment and then I'll go with with my. So you have some more time to think, eh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Angela was was is like when I shared with the Mea team that I was pregnant and we had a party after all day with the meet, after all day meetings. So it was great. So uh, Angela, like thanks for for sharing this. Like when you bring like your personal life as well into. I think into your your into your job that at the end is like there's not not two separate lives you know like it's one one together so I think like that that uh, that moment is, is really cool as well and thanks Angela for for sharing and and also like for me I will say like probably the day that I just come to my mind the day that we launched the Imon recruiting methodology when I was back in Talent Club because we've been working uh, in that methodology for quite a while. And it was like an idea that come up one day in the in the living room with my friends, and then we break to the office next day with the marketing team, and then we start working with the idea and we start refining it for I don't know it was like three months or something like this, and talking to customers, and then when we did like the the, the first webinar, I remember like we have like more than I don't want to say like maybe it was like more than than a thousand signups for the webinar were more like almost 500 attendees so it was like really crazy so it was like wow this is a reality and we are like and, and here we are still so so yeah like i think it's similar to what alvaro was saying uh that this so well it was a little bit like to get to know a little bit each other so that, that's good and and i think now we can go uh deep into the topic that we have today uh today we wanted to to share with you uh how can we get like employees turned into owners how we can like how we can work in order to to have our employees become more engaged with our company we become more compromised that to know that when we are not looking they are taking the best decision for the company and for themselves as well and more in these times that we don't have the people in front of us and we have to trust so like to be like uh with the tranquility that we can trust people so for this like we have like a framework that we've been building, but and, and now I'll be sharing with you. And I hope that this framework can evolve. Like we've been working in this framework, I'll say like for almost two years. And, and we've been like thinking about the steps, thinking because at the end, like uh, for me it was really useful to have a framework when I was working in email recruiting. And I think it helps like to see the, the overall view. So um, if you want, like I can share, I don't know, uh, before we share, like I would love to explain uh what is quiet and why we call it quiet and what is the moment get quiet and then we go to the framework uh so mickey could you explain us what is like the get quiet moving and why we created this i'll try i'll try thank you tony and and i think that this is something that keeps evolving and um so there's no static definition of what it is and i'm sure that the, the community will help us redefine it 
But um, initially, it came out of a realization that we had a little issue. No, it's like we saw it in in, in ourselves maybe, and we saw it in people um, surrounding us. And like, there for some reason, work is is not enjoyable. People just um, you know have a, don't have a healthy relationship with work oftentimes, and um, it feels like it's like a means to an end. Like I'm I'm having another life, and work helps me get to that life because it gives me the resources. But the work in itself is not an end. It, it doesn't bring me uh, awareness. It doesn't bring me uh, meaning. And so we started digging into that. And it's like, what's what's going on? Why is that? And I think that we went back in time a little bit, and and we started to understand where we also like at the at the intersection of philosophy and business, where uh, we love to we love to engage there. So we started to try to understand where we come from and and why are, are people sometimes disengaged? Why are companies maybe not contributing to the missions of people enough? And why are people not contributing to the missions of companies enough? Of course, there's there's always exceptions and and take everything we say with a pinch of salt, no? But we thought that there was room for improvement. And and we went back and it's like, okay from when the time where we were hunter-gatherers and then we moved into the agriculture revolution, for instance, well, work was different. Uh, as hunter-gatherers, we're working for fewer hours probably, and we have different um, tools and different techniques. Then we moved to the agriculture revolution, we had to change. The same rules didn't apply, the same formats and management. Uh, well, there was no management, no, but work rules or systems didn't apply, so we had to shift. Then from that, we moved to the Industrial Revolution. Again, there was a shift. We, everybody moved to the cities. Um, there was a lot of control by inputs. We needed to, for instance, when we, when we came up with a car for mass production, for that to happen, we needed economies of scale. Um, so for that to happen, we needed to produce X number of cars so that the price of cars would go down thanks to economies of scale. And then everybody could have a car. So for that to happen, Michael, Alex, or Tony, if they were working at a factory, they needed to, you know, turn that screw um, X amount of times every minute or every hour because otherwise it was not possible to, do, to produce that. No? So it was a management system that was really designed for efficiency. It was really based on inputs. It was a bit based on fear a little bit, you know, because it, somebody had to tell Michael, Tony, and Alex that if they didn't do it for 20 times instead of, uh, you know, 25 times, they were fired because, you know, uh, the whole production then failed and we couldn't produce the cars. So it was like a bit of, of, of control of where you are, what you do, all the inputs in your life. No? So it was like entering the factory and kind of like um, losing a bit of freedom no? in a way. But it was beneficial at the time. It was important. We had to do it this way and it's part of the evolution. And then the last part, the last evolution, the last age or area we entered was it's the information age. And in the information age, um, it's far more important to innovate. It's far more important to create um, than you know screwing a screw for thirty or fifty or sixty times a minute. No, so with this new paradigm, where the most important thing sometimes is to keep advancing and to you know advance once to be one step ahead of the competition. Sometimes we need to be creative. We need to empower our staff to be creative as well. But we seem to be uh, still applying the same methods of the past and the same management approach of the past. So that got us to think, like, what's, what's wrong? What's broken with that, with that approach? No, there's things that are OK, but there are, there are some things that maybe we can revisit. And that's, what we, that's how Quaret was born. And Quaret comes from Quaret. Quaret means uh, why in Latin. And, and it means why because also because of our influence by Simon Sinek no? and, the, and the Golden Circle. But, 
we realized that one of the most important things that that a work can do is add meaning to people to a person's life. It's not the only source, but it can be a great source of, of meaning for a person's life. No? So it's like it's very important to define your why and define a bit of your life mission. And then it's important for companies to do the same and then connect at that level. And if we do that, great things can happen. No? But that wasn't enough. And then we came up with the realization that you know companies needed to adopt new approaches to work. They needed to give probably more freedom, work more based on outputs than inputs, um, and give this empowerment to the teams and to the staff so that they could start creating. So that's how Quadit was born. Um, I'm sure it will evolve. I'm sure that if I tell you uh, this same story tomorrow, it will be a little different. But that's, in essence, um, what's behind this movement. Thank you, Miki. I don't know, Alex, if you want to add anything. Maybe just a couple of thoughts that, that, that so uh, I don't think I can explain it any better than Miki did, but just a couple of thoughts. So the first one is, it's funny when, we, when we're trying to construct companies and we start putting a lot of effort in this work-life balance. It feels weird that we need to do or develop or launch efforts like this one. So it means that I think something is fundamentally wrong because I think that the things you get in life you should, you should also be able to get them at work, right? This community, this belonging, this meaning. Why can't you get these things at work? At the end, we spend one third or half of our lives uh, working. So uh, it feels weird. And, and I think, as Mickey was saying, now we can do much better. Um, in, in, my, in my arena, so with my, let's say, more consulting mind, um, what I'm fundamentally obsessed is in this equation on how can we make you know, companies happier and more productive places. I think what we need to solve for is for these two things at the same time. Uh, I think a lot of um, HR has been focused on, yeah, let's make employees happy, but let's understand that companies still need to be productive, still need to be profitable to, to make them sustainable, right? So I think what Quiet aims to solve for is exactly this. How do we make companies, you know, at the same time productive and happier and better places for people? Fantastic. And, and for me, probably it's like, okay, I. I I just like see, and, and I talk to a lot of people when I do employer branding projects, and I see like there's people that just, they just rent their time. So I just go there, work for some money in order to start living my life. And But in the other side, when I do projects, that usually I, I interview the people that is the most committed and the, the most like wonderful employees in the company. They all talk about, they see the company, that they belong there. They see like they are super compromised because of the people, because how they are treated, they feel taken care of. And it's like, okay, we have to manage some way in order to, to like all the people can work in a company that they just don't work for the money. They work for something else. And they, they have a meaningful time while they work. They're not just starting living their life after they leave their job because it's not it's like it's a life spent. Uh, half of your life is just like renting your time in order to have money to live the rest of your life, which is like not so much left. So uh, that will be like the, the idea of why how I, how I see it as well. So and now, yes, I would love to to share the, the, the framework. I would love to say, well, OK, from this idea that Mickey was was sharing and we were talking about, how we can apply these to companies, how we can make it real. And it's not just like talking ideas. If not, okay, let's go, let's go deep into that. So I'm gonna be sharing the, the screen and I'm gonna sharing like a, this, this framework of like six steps. And, and Alex, maybe you can like explain us a little bit 
the the overall the overall view of the framework what is it and and then we can go deep in each area and as well like if you have any questions about this you have any comments you have like different views uh, i would love to to have your um your input in this and also like Gianluca was was sharing like uh that organizations especially jar should begin to understand that passion performance and productivity and commitment to work begin first with all with respect for life and i think that uh that is something that companies now with this situation are start getting to see like okay now there's more things that we need to manage and happily there's more and more people that is is talking about this and start like trying to get hey it's important to make sure that people is happy in their life in order to have like better results in your company as well so this is like the the, the well, i think we're aligned in this vision but we wanted to bring like a practical we you know like uh, that we we tend to be like super practical we want to give you tools in order to uh, implement everything so this framework is like okay tony alex mickey how we make this a reality so this framework will be like the start like the cornerstone of of achieving it and then we will we will dig deeper in every in every step so alex can you walk us a little bit about the framework and then we go we dig deeper yes 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 i'd love to again i'm just going to touch on the on the key things here I think uh, in today's webinar we're going to touch a little more in some of the topics and in the following ones hopefully we can we can dig way deeper here there's a lot of information here um i think essentially our our thinking stems from the um a little bit the idea of reciprocity right and as mickey was saying we like to link philosophy with business and what we what we believe in is look if if you want to get you need to give right if you want employees to care about your company you need to care about them and and i think that's how essentially you create an owner now i remember when we were posting this and people said yeah just give them shares yeah okay give them shares is one thing but probably is definitely not enough but there's a lot of things so we're essentially building a system where as you can see in the left and in the right right you need to get purpose you need to get fit and essentially you need to give fit and you need to give purpose in your employees on this matching on this reciprocity we believe is where everything starts to build so we divide our framework in three stages. The first one is, um, we call it owner discovery. You need to understand what do you actually need as a company? What do you need to get from your employees? The second one is, okay, once you're clear on what you need to get, you need to be able to find and recruit those people. You need to ensure that whoever gets into your community, we like to call it community, not companies, you know, is the right partner for that, is motivated by the same things and is, is a fit for your culture. And then the third thing is, okay, once the people are inside, you need to make sure you give them that fit, you know, you empower them to do, and also you transform them into orders by also giving them that that purpose, that, that meaning. So in essence, is this, in, in the different, and now we're going to talk about the specific things, but we believe it's extremely key to define your purpose, your purpose as an axis, as what do you do for society? Why should your company exist, right? What is the thing, what is the value that you're adding for the people? And then second of all, you need to find out the two things that will make your company really fit. So it's how do you achieve that purpose? We believe it's a combination of values and capabilities or skills, right? Values essentially is what you value. I always bring the example of Pixar, you know, these guys are about making movies, you require creativity. So one of their values is creativity, right? And when we talk about capabilities, we also like to think about core capabilities. What are those things that you need to be really good at? When this is clear, you need to go to the market, right? And attract the candidates. And Tony is a master at this and on his, on his philosophy on inbound recruiting, right? It's creating a machine that attracts exactly the people that you need. 
and also through employer branding. And once this is clear, Mickey is going to teach us all about predictive hiring, right? How can you ensure that that match through a great interviewing process? How can you ensure that that match happens? It's through a lot of evaluations and processes and real life cases, I think you call them Mickey, right? And also we very, very, we like a lot the, the principle of relational hiring instead of transactional, right? We do believe that it's a two sides game. You need, at the end, you need to also make sure that you're attractive for the, for the candidates. And also we like to think a lot, or we like to put a lot of emphasis on missions, right? You need to make sure that people get into a mission and that that mission is aligned to your purpose. So once this is clear, you get partners. Okay, the right people for your organization. And then the key is to move those partners into stars. And we believe that that process is about giving fit. And here we touch about two accesses. One is emergent leadership. We believe that we need to fundamentally transform what does a leader mean. And we like to think the leaders at the end are people that empower their teams. They're not managers, they're people that seek change within the organization at the end empower their teams. And we do believe that the approach to development or learning needs to change. It needs to be way more personalized. It needs to be real time. And these are the things that we're going to touch upon with different concepts like the peer-to-peer um, -peer learning, all those platforms, and so on and so forth. And last, how do you move from stars to owners, right? We do believe that there's two axes to touch upon. The first one is to create an owner, you need to feel that you're important for the organization, right? That I am a key person for that organization, that sense of importance. And second of all, you need to feel that you're contributing to a cause that is bigger than yourself. And that is purpose, right? You need to feel important on the organization and you need to feel that you connect to the bigger or the larger purpose of the organization. We do believe that, again, it is a super high level, but um, these are the different steps that you need to take in order to create owners. Yeah, I think like super high level, but uh, <laughs> like because you were like explaining the steps, like okay, we have like so much to talk about uh, <laughs> every step, and um, but I think like today, like since we we plan to do this like for an hour, and and we want to leave some time at the end for your questions. So if you have questions, you have like your thoughts, you try several stuff that work for you, like we will love your input. So but maybe we can like dig a little deeper. So Alex, I would like. Like the first step for like getting owners is like okay what is the meaning or what is your meaning or what is the purpose of the company so why is this important and and second is like if we can explain it in two minutes how can a company can find their purpose if they are not they don't, don't know it already let me give an example on why purpose is important. Um, at the end, it's you need to focus on that need that will not change. So, if you, for example, the, there's the example of Nokia. So, if you define Nokia as a company that just makes phones, you know, phones will become obsolete because they will become smartphones. Instead, Nokia, remember, that was connecting to the need, right? Which was, if you remember well, Nokia was Nokia connecting people, right? In a certain moment, for a reason I, this, uh, I do not know, they started focusing on creating smaller phones. So they stopped, you know, in a world that is changing, um, they stopped focusing on the real need for consumers. And then Apple came with smartphones and they connected people better. So they were better at defining their purpose. So in essence, in a world that is constantly changing, it's very, very important that you connect to that need that will not change and you find what, what is the best way to, um, you know, to drive that need. So connecting people is definitely one of the needs of Microsoft around empowering people and organizations. How to define your purpose? That's probably a very, very long conversation. Um, but I think it's very, very critical that you put the customer in mind, the consumer in mind. It's like, actually, what do you want to provide to that consumer? And what are the different levers that you want to that you want to touch? It's a very quick example, Decathlon. I always put the same one. My, my, my friends make fun of it, but uh, I think it's very... It's, a, it's an easy one, right? So the Catalan is about making sport accessible. 
So how do they define? So that's their purpose. So it's important because they work on decks of affordability, of good and technical products, on innovation, right? So you need to define your purpose from the axis of value creation. Again, remember that we're looking at companies that we want them to make them more sustainable and more productive. Great. And then like once you have like the, this purpose, that at the end it's going to be like your your North Star, no? like guiding you where you have to go. Then it's like the part of get fit. So what is your get fit? It's like defining the talent you need. No? And so what is these capabilities and values? Because everybody talks about values. Everybody talking about this kind of stuff. But sometimes it's more like something that we feel that we need to talk. But is how is that key? So again, um, very, very short. But take a brain, right? There's the right side and the left side. I don't remember which one does what. But at the end, you need to have the, the emotional side of things, right? Or, or what we like to call the, the values. And then more the, the hard skills, which are the capabilities. So when we talk about values, essentially, is what do you value, right? I think it was it was Netflix CEO that, you, that used to say values are what we value from people, right? So again, maybe um, drilling down on the on the example of before and Pixar. Pixar is about making movies. To create a movie, you need a thousand ideas, right? So this you need to find out a way to create a culture of creativity so that it sparks those ideas. And that at the end will add to your value proposition and will add to your purpose. So defining values that are actually extremely strategic is very, very important. There's a lot of ways to do that. We'll, we'll cover them in future webinars, but it's very, very important that you define the strategic axis of your culture. At the end, I think companies will make or bring from that micro behaviors, not from the macro strategies that are also important. And then on the second side, the capabilities, um, here, just a, a small nudget, but what we do believe is that companies cannot be great at everything, right? You can always that that quote from Aristotle: you can be good at anything, but you can be the best at anything, or something like that. But at the end, the message here is is one and, and very simple: find out what you really need to be good at. Um, for example, let's compare to companies, right? Nike and Decathlon. Nike at managing supply chain is not great, but at marketing and partnering with stars is absolutely great. On the other side, they can learn, again, selling sportswear and stuff is on the contrary. They're really, really good at managing their value chain because they need to be very efficient to drive that very affordable products. But they suck at marketing. They're really bad at marketing. All they put is, you know, these this billboards at the, at the roads. So as a company, we do believe you need to focus your efforts and then your recruitment and you need to have your best talent on those core capabilities. So identifying those is extremely, extremely key. And that is how we believe that you get fit, right? Finding out what your strategic values are, finding out what your core capabilities need to be, and then cascading this down into the organization. Fantastic. And then it will come that next step, like the my part. <laughs> it will be like, uh, the, no, because at the end, it's like today, today goals was like, okay, how we get uh, people that is like has like the engagement and is like compromised with our company or, or how we convert employees into owners so we saw like the first step is like okay what is what is do that that i am now as a company and and defining that that purpose that values and then also more in a strategic way not more in the, in the HR way if not in a strategic way it's like okay what are my core capabilities that obviously like all of these areas is, is both strategic and HR and then it's like imagine that we start a company we come like the attract part okay we have to explain imagine like we are like, like this community so we want to explain to the world our purpose. We want to explain to the world the people that we want in our community and in order to have people to join that community. You know, that at the end is like what we really want. 
So that when uh, the employer branding and inbound recruiting comes, what what uh, this part wants is like to be able to um, to share who are you, who are you as a company, in what you believe, and explain what you believe and what you want to achieve and what you have to offer for them. Because in this way, people can choose. And and what helps like, in like employer brand, the employer brand is defining the experience that somebody will live when they work in your company. So that with this employer branding, and then um, comes inbound recruiting. That inbound recruiting wants to share, wants to communicate this in order to people to figure it out before they come to apply to a job offer or they come to your company to know what is what will be living and working for you. Because sometimes like people don't have this information, they join a company and they see they messed up because they, they didn't know the culture, they didn't know what was expected, they didn't believe in anything. And then we have a lot of people stacking in jobs because when you choose a job and you move from another one and you find out that you don't like it, just because you didn't have the information, then we are stuck with people that don't fit that. And that doesn't mean that people are bad. That doesn't mean that people is they are not good people. That means like they are in the wrong place and they're taking a space that maybe some people will love to work there. And the salary will be the same and, and the stuff we are focusing right now will be the same. But just because we don't communicate that in our career page, in our job offers, in our social media, we are like just like touching superficial stuff and not the really deep stuff that make people committed. I think it's like one of the things that at the end, we don't have like engaged employees or we don't have like engaged, uh, well, yeah, employees, workers or owners is because from the very beginning, they didn't know what were, they were buying or where they were they were getting into. So I think that is the first part. So we had to get that part really well, like the part of the marketing. And then it comes like the other part that like is to match with partners and with the predictive and relational hiring that me will explain. That is about like how we make sure that these people we're gonna ha we're gonna have a good partnership. So Mickey, can you explain a little bit about how is this partnership? Yeah. So yeah, note that here the keyword being partner as opposed to employee or worker or any other kind of word that you might use. Um, at the end of the day, I think that one of the, the big mistakes that we've made um, historically is to create like a one-way direction when it comes to uh, the partnership of companies and people. No, it feels like. It's the it's the companies who are choosing the people. It's the it's the people who has to add the value for the companies. But sometimes the value doesn't flow as well in the other direction. So in it doesn't end up being a, a partnership. It doesn't end up being a relationship. It's more transactional. No, I'm I'm you know I'm expecting some value from you in exchange of, of your time. I'll give you some money, and and that's a transaction that we're gonna have. But this is not gonna evolve in a partnership because you know one of the two parts doesn't care. Um, as much uh, for the other one. No? So there's no balance in that relationship. So I think that when it comes to matching and, and once you once you attract the candidates to your door and you got some people who are excited about the prospect of joining you, the first thing that you need to care about is about making it relational. That's the start of the relationship or that's one of the, you know, almost the start of the relationship. It started a bit before, but that's the start of the relationship that's going to hopefully endure for, for years with that person. No? So it's great to invest in that relationship from the get-go. This is people who are not going to be joining our company. It's still important to build this relationship because then these people can become, you know, advocates of the company, can use the services or the products of the company. So it's always to your advantage to treat the, the, this as a relationship and to treat this as a partnership. 
So it's really important to focus on that since the beginning. As you're doing that, of course, um, you need to also evaluate the person. And um, you need to make sure that you're bringing in the people who will have the higher chances of succeeding in the context of your company. That's when, when we're saying predictive and relational, that's what predictive means. And predictive has like maybe two main ingredients. Number one is the structure. So it's really important that you give the structure. Uh, I saw Alex, right? Tony's <laughs> playing around, eh? Oh, that's me. It's really <laughs> uh, to give the to give a structure to your uh, hiring processes. Um, and by structure, first of all, we need to get the highest predictive tools that we can get in order to predict predict this future success of the person with us. The, there's a lot of research that shows that job simulations, which means bringing that person with you for two weeks, for one month, and having them work with you, of course, is the highest predictor of future job success. Another way in which we can do that is, uh, is job assignments. We cannot bring the person for two weeks, for, for one month, that's unrealistic because the person is working somewhere else. Well, just create a, a meaningful, realistic, so it has real examples of the work, fun, test or quiz or, or little assignment that you can send to the person and then have, have them go through that. There's a lot of people who are great at interviews. There's extroverts who are going to do better at, in, at interviews than introverts. It's going to be very difficult to, you know, to tell the two apart sometimes. So it's always more predictive to, to use job simulations or job assignments. And then if you have to use interviews, because of course you will, then use structured interviews. And by structured interviews means that you're creating um, a set of behavioral questions Behavioral questions is nothing more than using past behavior to predict future success. You use those questions and then follow up questions to those across all candidates. So you really define the same questions for all candidates so that there's no one candidate that went through a different experience than the other, one candidate that was evaluated in a different way. And for that to happen, the last ingredient that you need is a rubric. So you need to assess the answer that the candidates are giving you um, to each question through a rubric. Um, so then you know exactly how to evaluate the answer that they, give, that they are giving you. Finally, the data component. Data is really important, and the data you get it from, like, from the employees who are, or the partners that are already in your company or community. Those people who have been working for you for a while, with you for a while, they will give you data on performance and engagement that then can help you refine your hiring process and reinform the questions that you use, the steps that you use during the, the, the selection process. The last thing I'm going to say on the relational aspect is uh, one topic that is mentioned on the book by, by the founder of LinkedIn, uh, Rick Hoffman, um, the alliance. It's about creating this alliance with the person. It's not a contract. It's not you will do A, B, or C, sign here, and I'll get you money in exchange. It's actually a partnership in which both, based on the value and their missions, agree on a set of activities, on a set of outcomes that they pursue together, and by the way, this is something that can be revisited after this initial, what they call in the book, tour of duty is, is finished after two months, after three, uh, sorry, after two years, three years, etc. So predictive and relational, it's the only way I think to create these, these partners who are the seat of the future stars and owners. Fantastic, Mickey. And I just want to add, because you were talking about this and the other day we were having a discussion about how to hire uh, senior talent. And because a lot of companies, they are like afraid that they're, they're not going to match or whatever. And it, they were, were just like talking us. One of the possible solutions was the, the, the job simulation. It's like, okay, bring that person 
to do like the job and you will see how that person will develop because sometimes we have like so much expectations and we create an expectation based on what just we talk and oops what Ah, sorry, like I was, I was thinking it was me. So, um, <laughs> so we're thinking about, about this. It's like, okay, just because the, the information that we have in the interview, just like by talking and, and answering and, and doing questions, sometimes it's not the best predictor. And we have to do start to do more creative stuff. Even though we are not accustomed to do this, we, ha we have to see that, okay, like let's invest a little bit more of time at the beginning in order to ensure that, this person will be happy and will be happy with this person as well. And, and it will be like super cool when we talk about this. Mickey. And Johnny, one thing really quick here, it's not about one person not being good enough for a company. It's about defining between okay. the whether or not that company is the best fit for, for that person and whether or not that can be successful in that context. It's not about you're not good enough. It's, it's, this is not the best fit. Go search something else that can be the best fit for you. Exactly. Exactly. If I didn't have that correct, it's like I, I see, and now that I'm an, an entrepreneur, like a, a freelance, let's call it, or solopreneur, call it whatever, I think when I do projects, it's more like a collaboration. And we say, okay, is this a good project for me? Is I'm the best person for you? It's like we will be enjoying this uh, because if not, like, okay, let's not do it because both parts we won't be happy. And that's what usually happens. It's like when we put one person, in a position that doesn't, the, the, the people is not happy, the team is not going to be happy, that person is not going to be happy. Always I, I, I give like the, the same example. It's like imagine a bartender that sees a, a, a job offer of a bartender and we just like give a quick introduction about like the job. And probably like if they go have to wear a bow or not really boring uh, bar and this person is young, they will be working there, but they will not be happy because I'm, yeah, I'm working as a bartender, but since I didn't know, I didn't have the information about how we will be working in that bar. I just started there. I'm not happy. The customers are not happy. My boss is not happy. So nobody's happy. If I had the information that the bar will be like this, I would choose another bar that probably the environment I would love. And for the same salary, the same uh, schedule, I'll be much happier because I enjoy and people will enjoy with me and the boss will be happier and everybody will be happier. So I think that's what, when we match like the owner hiring is what we have to make sure uh, that when we start doing this partnership, people is happy. And then to, to introduce the third part, like the owner's management, I think there is like an amazing question from Angie from LinkedIn that he was, he was telling us, um, purpose is definitely a key element to engage people into the business. And I find, the whole cycle very interesting, but I see that the next step after purpose will be getting the talent. My question then is, what about the people who's already in the company? Some strategies should also focus on developing culture and purpose in everyday tasks, as an everyday task. So thank you, Angie, because this is the perfect introduction. Obviously, they are, we are not in the situation that we have to hire like employee number one or employee number two. So most of the companies that already have the, 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 the employees. So. I'm not going to be explaining it. I'll, I'll let uh, Mickey, Alex uh, explain like, okay, what about like the, the gift feed? How we can work our purpose, our culture in our everyday life and how we can get our current employees to live that purpose, to live that culture and to have them engage in the company. Excellent. So, Tony, great. And I think that the, the, the question is is exactly at, at, at this point, right? So 
at the end, if you think about it, when, when cascading down the purpose and the values, you can do tactical stuff, so for example, having an army of ambassadors, but at the end, the fundamental change that you will make beyond the hiring, obviously, and the, and the onboarding is across, we believe, um, three levers in a way. One of them is leadership. You need to touch upon leadership. You need to fundamentally align your leaders there. The second one is you need to change all those HR processes. So essentially the development, all the performance reviews and all these things. And that's what we mix here between the power governments and the talent-centric learning. And the third element is obviously you need to touch upon communication. We do fundamentally believe that you need to change the communication from more, you know, financial metrics, which is probably what where a lot of companies focus on, into more impact metrics and the impact you're generating through your purpose. So I'm just going to quickly touch upon upon two of them, and then Mickey, you can you can definitely complement from from your experience. So, for example, in in talent centric learning, we believe that current development models are completely obsolete. Right? They're very static. They're not individualized, and we do believe that in a world that is constantly changing and where people have these missions in the companies, there's so much more than you can do. Just to give some examples, right? We do believe that learning has to be a combination of several axes and definitely not people in classrooms. One of them is obviously leadership and mentoring. Your leader needs to be your first teacher, right? They, they need to provide a lot of mentoring. Then you should leverage the whole network of the company, all your peers. And there's two lenses here, right? There's all the peer-to-peer -peer learning. So for example, Google, I think 85% of the courses that people do are developed by their own people at Google. So there's so much knowledge within the company that you can leverage upon to learn. You don't need to go elsewhere. So there's a lot here. And the second one is obviously a very classical one, but I think a lot, not a lot of companies crack, which is feedback, real-time feedback. How do you create a culture where there is ongoing feedback for ongoing improvement? And I think the third lens is, and, and here's where you can make um, learning very individualized and also very real-time, is there's all these new platforms, all these digital platforms, for example, Edcast, or LinkedIn Learning. There's thousands of courses there. So for the tiniest thing that you want to learn, you just go into one of these platforms, also Coursera or whatever, and you can get all these learnings. I think it was Naval that quoted, no, it's not the, the resources that are scarce, but the desire to learn. So as a community, as a company, you need to make sure that you generate that curiosity. And I think that has a lot to do with, with leadership. Miki, I'm not sure if you want to touch on leadership now. Yeah, yeah. And to Angie's question, I, I think that it's important to also have a, a kind of like a culture code, but it, that is not only like the, the one that we see from Netflix or from HubSpot that is, is great for the outside, but a culture code that is actually applicable for the inside as well. No? And, and for me, a culture code means having a set of uh, behaviors that are linked to the values. So when you're asking, how can the people who are already in the company that might not have been evaluated like properly for those values, et cetera, et cetera, or die enter when those values were not even that defined. I think that once you have those values, what you have to do is lend those values and link them to behaviors that can be applicable in the day-to-day. -day. So it's like, how do I act in scenario X? Or what do I do when a customer tells me uh, why? Or what do I do when in a meeting? So it's those set of behaviors that actually link to the values and that act as a clear guideline on how to behave on the day-to-day. -day. So that if the CEO goes on an island for a vacation for three months, it's okay because people know how to behave. People are empowered. People know what to do in every, in every, um, in every different situation. So I think that's, that's a very important point. And then the role, Alex, what you were saying about the role of the emergent leadership, which is, by the way, a, a wording that we borrowed from Google, like, uh, like many other of the things that we, we came up with here. Um, there's a great book, by the way, by Laszlo Bog, the former SVP, um, SVP people operations at Google, that it's amazing work rules. Uh, somebody maybe can put it on the chat. 
But one of the things that, that Google refers to is emergent leadership as one of the key things that they evaluate when people are entering Google. And what we adopted that concept, and maybe we modified it a little bit, but what, what we mean by emergent leadership is a servant leadership. He's a leader that's there to serve the staff, to serve the team. The leader who is a facilitator, a leader who, um, you know, one of the main roles of that leadership is setting clear, helping, not setting for themselves, but helping the staff and the team um, set clear goals and then helping them link those goals to the goals of the team, to the goals of the, of the department, to the goals of the organization. So setting this direction is one of the most important things that a leader can do these days. And the other thing is facilitation. A leader is nothing more, nothing less than roadblock clearing. Like there's a challenge. Well, come to the leader and the leader is going to, you know, get you a way around it. And he's going to, you know, talk to X, Y, or Z. He's going to help you clear that, that challenge. Um, and, and, and these are some of the most important things that a leader can do. It's, it's important where you get to, but it's also important how you get there. And a leader should help you do that. So I think that these are some of the most important things that, um, that, that the leadership team should do in a, in a company these days to actually link to the learning component, be able to develop stars for the company. And then like the stars is like the previous step, no, when you have this to become and to have owners. Uh, and, 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 and later we can go to the question and you have questions. So also, like, you like to touch, okay. And when we have stars, when we have like people that is led in this way, we have people that is developing in this way, how we get them to become owners, how we get them to feel like the company is like their own, how we get like these people that no matter what they are like engaged and, and loyal to the company and they want the best for the company and not just for themselves. Like what, what will be like, we have like this impact communication uh, and, and also power governance. Do you want to comment on that? So yeah, yeah. very happy. Let me touch upon the, the impact communication. It's funny because I don't know why, <laughs> and uh, it's hard for, for us as maybe, or maybe we're not that young anymore, but um, as maybe younger people, um, it's funny how hard it is for organizations to communicate on impact. We, we're so used to communicate on financials and yeah, we're going to reach 3 billion and I don't know, whatever profit. And I honestly don't know who gets turned on by that. Who gets turned on by, yeah, the company is going to reach 3 billion euros. Okay, yeah, fine. I mean, maybe the, the owner is going to be, you know, uh, a lot wealthier, but I, 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 there's a whole lack of, of, of meaning there, right? So what we do believe is that companies need to make a, a, a big effort, and it's hard for companies to do it in, in terms of transforming the way you communicate, right? Trying to communicate more on why you do what you do, the impact you generate, how you relate with each other. And that's what we call impact communication. And impact communication needs to stem from all the organization. And we know... We know that communication used to be you know, a CEO job or a leader job or a communication department job. We fundamentally believe that it needs to be an everybody's job. So we like a lot those tools, for example, workplace that enable peer-to-peer -peer communication. So the colleagues that are in the field, the colleagues that are close to the sale, the, to your customers, the, co the colleagues that are close, for example, to, the, to your value chain, to your suppliers, all these people need to communicate the impact that you're generating, right? Your salespeople need to say, hey, I sold this to this customer and this customer was amazed by what we do. That is what generates proudness and meaning and impact. We need to, we do believe that we need to bring that impact way, way closer to the to the day to day. You know, our jobs might be doing PowerPoints, might be doing Excel, but ultimately that Excel or that PowerPoint will help the company achieve something. We need to connect people with that. And that's what we call by impact communication. 
And that's the idea here. Like I think like the HR marketing, which is like the things I'm will become more and more popular because sometimes like we communicate without doing marketing. At the end, like marketing is a way a more a better way to communicate to our stakeholders. In this case, is lower potential customers. But at the end, it's like in order to have like engaged customers, you do marketing to them. You should do marketing as well in a more strategic way to your employees. At the end, it's like the other customers you have. And I think like uh, right now, when we do internal communications, for instance, and we use like social internal social media, we throw the communications. We don't track anything. We don't like we just like want to communicate this message and we throw it. And we don't have like this mindset of marketeers. It's like, okay, how do I get that message so people get what I want to communicate and get action and I track it and I see it in a more strategic way. So as, as you said, like, and, and also like, use this communication in order to show their the impact of everyone and show like the behavior you want to uh kind of elicit in order to because if not like we have like really plain internal communication and and right now when people is not in the company and is uh, is is in their homes or, or remote that is the most powerful tool and and sometimes it's, it's overlooked and, and and well another another chapter Mickey can uh give us more feedback on this because obviously like they are a full remote company so for sure we'll have like a lot of best practices and i would love to know uh one minute what is this uh, power governance we still don't know we're it's on the making no i'm joking uh, <laughs> so, yeah for sure we, we're gonna have a conversation on remote in the future i love it and and i love how it came personally in my life and and it helped me be be very we have like have a really like balanced life where I don't make distinctions between work and life. And it's not a negative thing. It's like one thing that people say, like then work gets into your life as a, as a monster, no, it gets you and makes you unhappy. I, I, we figured that there's there's a lot of ways for that not to happen. So I'm, I'm very happy to do that in the future in another talk. But for today, um, you were talking about communicating the impact. Well, the, the most important thing for to be able to communicate the impact is to actually get the people who have impact. And the way we figured that the African leadership group to do that is, is by borrowing a couple of ideas from, from the likes of Spotify or of Amazon and these guys. And what we did is structure ourselves in a way that makes sense for the customer because we want to be customer obsessed. So in our case, we develop young leaders. Okay, We're an educational company. We develop young leaders in Africa. And we have this big purpose of developing 3 million of them. And what we do is we do not have a marketing department. What we have is a young leader selection tribe. We don't have a product team. What we have is a young leader delivery um, uh, team. So we have these like teams that are actually aligned with what we do and as the first steps to become a customer-obsessed company. So that's the first thing that we do. And then we make small teams. We break the teams down so that we, and like Amazon says, like Jeff Bezos, who just stepped down, says, a team needs to be able to be fed with two pizzas. Otherwise, it's too big. Too big to have an impact. Nobody can have a voice if the team is bigger than that. No? So we have smaller teams, but we give those teams the key tools that they need to have an impact and be customer obsessed. We have one person who wears the hat of customer um, of experience. So he's an expert in designing experiences for the customers. One person who's the expert on data to be analyzing what's happening and to be refining. And, and one person who is a, an expert in systems so that everybody in that team has the systems that will enable them to have the, the impact that they want to have. And so by having smaller teams, by connecting the teams, not having the teams, but connecting them 
a bit more to what is it that you're doing, we kind of like make it a bit easier for people to have an impact and to be connected um, to the purpose of the company. You know? So I think that that's one of the, of the most important things on, government, on, on governance. And then you need to empower those teams. We were talking, I remember when Quiet was born, and, and I'll finish now, I know we're a bit late, but when Quiet was born, we were reflecting in ourselves even. And I remember making a reflection on my father, who's owning a, a construction company. He's like, my father is the happiest person alive. Like, he loves his job. Like, he loves his company. He loves his, his craft. And we were reflecting, well, maybe his ultimate purpose in life was not construction. It could have been something else. But what mattered is that he had an impact. So he actually had a voice. He was the CEO of his company. He had an, a, an ownership over his destiny. And I think that that's what people need in life. You know? So how we create mini companies within the bigger company of, you know, so that people can be empowered, so that everybody almost in the company can be a CEO and make their own decisions. You know? So I think that one, that's one of the days to do, ways to do it. And of course, there's more stuff. And, and I'll, I'll be happy to discuss that in, in the future sessions. But that's a start. <laughs> a good start, eh? That's a start. So uh, in order, now we're going to go to into the questions. If you have any questions, uh, please uh, feel free to ask us. You can ask us in, 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 you can put it in Spanish or in English. Either way, like, we're going to be happy, like, to, to answer them. And also, like, a quick, like, I just share in the comments a little quick survey if you could, like, uh, fill it in order to improve for ne next, next sessions because uh, usually uh, we do, like, uh, talks, but no, we don't put, like, um, we don't put like uh, like frameworks and stuff like this, and we wanted to know if it was useful this way. And also, like I want to touch in the in one question that we got from YouTube from uh, Paula Romero. He like was uh, saying great great at all guys. So I'd like to get your opinion about the difference between culture fit and culture ad. What's your approach on this when attracting and hiring the most appropriate talent? So maybe maybe Mickey, you can give us your view into that. I just like leave the questions in, into this, and then I can give my my little bit as well. Yeah, that's that's a very good point, and um, because it's 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 proved and it's proven that actually uh, diverse companies uh, are more successful. So you don't want to end up with the same person uh, replicated times you know fifty times one hundred times one thousand. No? So I think that it, there's a the tricky side of the culture fit is is ending up getting the same type of person across the company and that's not you know doing a lot of benefit for you i think that you gotta have the core values no so you have those core values that's gonna be three four things that are you know real that are true and and that will help the person the people working in that company be successful but then you have a a lot of another set of things another like kind of like level that we can call principles we can call mindsets and I think that each team within a company will have a different set of mindsets um, that are not, you know, do not are complementary to those to those values. So they don't uh, cancel any of those values, but that rather they add to those. No, so I think that by having those um, different sets of mindsets across across your organization, if making sure you hire. Um, different backgrounds as well and you don't get like you also have and a very important thing that you have to do is to prevent managers from hiding rep replicas of themselves which is something that sometimes happens and that's happening a lot so one thing that you can do at the end of your hiring process you have a calibration stage in that calibration stage you get senior people from other teams 
um, but have absolutely no interest in that hire being made, that don't have any interest in that hire being the same person as, their, uh, as his or her manager. So that helps you control a little bit over those replicas that managers sometimes might default into doing. No? So I think that's a bit of how you can attempt to control that. And in my side, like for attracting talent for this, like when I do like them, when we do like employer brand and inbound recruiting projects, uh, we create like we have like this purpose that Alex was 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 defining because at the end it's like okay, how do you want the ads? Like where in which area? You know, like you can do it strategically or you can just like be aware of okay, we need diversity. But what we try to do is like okay, let's share your vision, let's share your purpose, let's share your employee value proposition in a way that okay, let's talk to all different employees in your company, the ones that they are like uh, engaging your company, and then you can choose already the, the, the diversity there. For instance, now I'm doing a project and we use diversity of ages, diversity of zones, because different zones, they have like even different cultures. So we interview the people from all, all over. And then what we gather is like all the things that they told us that they have in common, because at the end, you see that a lot of people is working for the same stuff. So instead of sharing just the culture and the pictures that can be like a bit dangerous because then you can like show and attract more, more people like this. What we try to share is a, like an employee value proposition built with all the employees and based on their opinions and based on their views and based on their different cultures. And when you communicate that and not just like focusing on little details and focusing on little stuff that a lot of companies right now are like falling into that. No, we can communicate like the afterwards we do, uh, the, the activities we do. And it seems like if you are not doing this or you don't feel like doing this, you don't belong to that company. We try to go above this and we try to share like what people really value. And we try to get like the opinion in, in everyone in the company with different with different ages, different, uh, well, different demographics because at the end it's like the representation of your company. So my, my guess is like, don't build your employer brand based on the C-level. Don't build your employer brand for it in attracting it based on the director's opinion. If not, ask an interview like a, 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 like a, a different, different people in your company and then advertise that. Build your employer brand with this. So this like you make sure that what you are like communicating is a real, it's real, it's honest, and it's like more, more diverse and it's not like just like everyone is the same. So, and um, and I wanted to know like if there's another questions. I'm checking. Yeah, I think there's. See one from Angela. Angela Martins is is telling us uh, all the insights are very useful, but to understand the ad value of this approach instead of the others that we find in the market, can you focus on this topic? I don't yeah. know, like if it, like it's what are the other models, but I don't know, guys, if. You like I have like an idea to answer this question. I think if I got it correctly, otherwise, uh, Angela, feel feel very free to to correct me. But um, this how we approach this is not a a zero sum game. Like we come here to add value to to the um, kind of like call it HR talent workspace and, and in bringing new ideas to the table. We figure that there's new a new age and there's not enough new ideas to actually. Uh, adapt to that new age of working with uh, what we said at the beginning, know, with the information age. Um, so we come here to bring uh, new ideas. Not all of them are going to be perfect. Maybe not all of them are going to work for each company. So you know, you can take 
little things from from us. Now you can take little things from from the different parts of the framework. Once we go deeper into each part, you'll see how there's you know many concepts into each of those little boxes. So it might be that for you, there's only like a couple of of um, of frameworks that sub frameworks that work for you, and then you apply those and you merge those into your bigger system that maybe isn't you know always another approach, and that works perfect for you. So I think that what we're trying to do here is is to bring new ideas. So, but not to say, if you don't do this, you're failing. Um, that's not what we're saying, because each reality is very, very different. So I think what we're trying to say is, here's a set of ideas, and, and because we feel like there's not enough right now coming up to adapt work to the new age. From these ideas, get what is useful for you, try what is useful for you, drop what doesn't work, and give us feedback, and then we will keep refining with you guys. But this is this framework is not aimed to be better than another one. It's just bringing new ideas to the table and and adding value, hopefully. Yeah, and I was saying like, okay, we want to for this to get a, to be a movement, and also like to be a community. So uh, if you have Angela, if you have new ideas, you have like uh, things that can add value to this. Please reach to us. Soon we will be able maybe like to go into a community that we have like an ongoing conversation but as i say like i think we can continue in inside like this this post in the comments so if you have another view you can maybe share the content here and then we can comment and, and continue the conversation afterwards more in the chat and i think it can be it can be uh interesting and and, and also like yeah like and, and and we can keep like the conversation in the chat because obviously as Miki said like we want to uh, have more inputs into this in order to share and and and, and add value to the HR community because at the end I, as Miki was saying like the situation is changing I think in other worlds like in marketing in finance and in people is sharing much more and in HR I think everyone is doing the work in their own in, by their own. And we don't share like, okay, how you're struggling with this? Let's let's work together in this. And that is a little bit uh, our purpose with this, with the get quarter movement, like to like you know add add add. And the more people that we can add, the more people that can comment, and we can like be together, the better. Yeah, and Tony, just to add here and uh, to walk to walk our talk. Uh, in order to have ownership, we need to feel that we're having impact, and to feel that, we need to be connected to our customers. So please share as much feedback as, as you can. Yes. Tell us everything that you might feel like can be a good addition for us. We shared, I think, Tony, you shared the link to the little survey. It takes like three clicks yeah. to complete. And those things are the things that are going to make us better. I'm sure that we're going to be looking back one year, two years time, and we're going we're gonna to feel a bit different <laughs> from them. So uh, it's going to be through you guys, and it's going to be thanks to you. So we're just like starting the movement, but the movement is, is through you guys. Yeah. So I think like, uh, we can wrap up a little bit with because we said one hour and uh, we are a bit of it ahead. Um, could you look, we wrap up with one idea, one idea that uh, like that? So in order to say to say bye, like what what one idea of today you want to stick out? Maybe we can start uh, with Alex. <laughs> this is completely unexpected, eh? And, and you're starting with me this time, eh? Um... I don't know. I, I maybe I, I stick to, to Mickey's idea, not to sound too selfish, <laughs> um, about that. I do believe that the world or the management system needs a change. I think that we're still managing with the same old rules that maybe we're managing. I think companies today are still 
a lot like factories. Uh, right now I'm reading a book by Seth Godin that talks about companies that are like factories. <laughs> Recommend the book, Tribe. And, um, and, and, and I think there's so much to do here. There's so much potential in, in redefining all these processes, right? How you hire, how you onboard, how you define your leaders, what does it mean to be a leader? How do you communicate, right? How do you define your organization and power structure? So I think that this to me is the main idea and is the main idea that I think we should all stick to today. And, and, and I would love to gather all the insights from all the people to try to see how we can move this agenda of change forward. Fantastic. Yeah. And I'll add, I'll add really quickly, uh, I would say make, a, and, and this is borrowed, you can find it on the internet, it, it's the motto of another company, but make a life, not a living, it's one that, I, that really resonates with me. Making a living means that you're using work as a means to an end. You're using work to get resources, you're using work because you have to, because otherwise you feel like um, you're going to be left out in the streets, no? But making a life is different. Making a life is integrating that work component into your life and into your other pieces that give you meaning. Maybe your, your girlfriend or boyfriend gives you meaning. Maybe your friends give you meaning, your family, um, whatever it is, your hobbies. And work has all the necessary components to be a great meaning add to your life. So approach work this way. And for the companies, make it easy for people to approach work this way. Fantastic. And and for like to end or like a sentence by myself, it will be or, or like maybe a thought, it will be like, okay, think about one thing after hearing this that you can do, something that you can store and, and commit yourself. And and if you want to commit in the chat, commit into the chat, what action would you take for until next week or for two weeks ahead? Like take one action, take one one small step. If you get an idea, if you get like an insight, if you get like something you want to read or like start like start like this movement. I think like we we we're like I'm or at least I'm tired to listen to people and ideas. And I think like the the only way uh, as an entrepreneurs, everybody has ideas, but the, the difficult part is to take action. So here, like we are small entrepreneurs, we have to innovate in our work. And, and and the only thing I want to encourage you is like take action. Whatever you whatever you took today, whatever idea, take action into that idea, and then see how it develops. And we are super open to like if you have any question, like you can reach us on LinkedIn or you can reach us in any any channel. And we'll be like super happy to like give us our input as well and and and, and start this. So for me, it will be that will be the end of it. And. And yeah, I want to thank you all, like the people who connect on YouTube, the people who connect on LinkedIn uh, for, for joining us. Uh, as you said, like it's the, it's the beginning of it. Every two weeks, we'll be doing this webinar. Uh, so in two weeks, we will do another one. If you want, like if you want to get notified about this, uh, you can like go to our website, like getquart.com and you can subscribe to our newsletter because this way you get notified uh, and you can subscribe if not like in YouTube and or be, uh, follow us in, in LinkedIn that we will be like sharing as well whenever we do this. And and yeah, Miki? Yeah, very important. I saw, because I saw one of the responses to the survey that we need to share um, case studies, be specific, share, share frameworks. And what you were saying is very important because in the newsletter is where we will share all, all these little things that exactly. we have in the, in the call. So you have a little framework, you have a little explanation. So that is not like knowledge lost in the wind. Sorry, Tony. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Like in in the if you sign up for the newsletter, we'll send um, a summary of what we talked today. 
So uh, I think it's, it's good like to have like a PDF with the, all the ideas that we talk. And I hope and we hope to get your answers. If you feel like sharing anything in the email, like you can share it. Or as I say, like uh, Angela, that he was already commenting, or whoever wants to uh, join the conversation, please do comment. You can like uh, and and we and we can start a conversation here. But I think it's it's much needed. And together, I think we can we can do like this movement like really big, and we can start like changing uh, how the companies work. Hopefully. Hopefully, uh, <laughs> the first step. <laughs> exactly. So, thank you, everyone. Bye -bye. Thank you, everyone.